Well, good afternoon, Crosstalk family. <laughs> Thank you. It is so good to be with you. Usually I'm over in um, the kids' building. My name's Karen Graves. I'm the children and family ministries pastor, so I'm, I'm often over on the kids' side, and it's an honor to be with you here in the worship center today. And if you're watching, you know, from your car or um, from your living room or your kitchen or wherever you are, you're here in the room in Redlands. We're just so glad that you are joining us, that you're here worshiping together in community and um, and man, it's just an honor to be to be here with you today and to, to have you worship with us. Um, so I hope that we're blessed by our time together today. Um, you know, you, you, you've heard from other voices in this series, and, and um, today as we're in week four, I just want to remind you, you can, you can access our series guide if you don't already have a copy of it. You can get it on our app, um, or you can get it at crosswalkvillage.com. You can download the series guide and use that to help study during the week, study here, take notes um, on, on Saturday here in the service, and, and, um, and use it as a resource. Um, so while you're on our website as Pastor Ron mentioned, you can um, access so many other things uh, that are there, and you can learn about uh, Crosswalk and all the really amazing community things that we have going on that help us build community, build faith, build, uh, you know, momentum and, and, and energy as we carry forth. So um, just a little bit of background and context throughout this series, um, we've been studying in the book of 1 Timothy, which is a letter written by Paul to Timothy. Um, his friend, his mentee, if you will, his young protege, Timothy. And Timothy was a younger leader. Um, he was one that Paul had recruited during one of his missionary journeys um, that you can read about in Acts 16. And Timothy quickly became kind of this trusted co-worker and friend of Paul as they journeyed and ministered together. And Timothy had actually been sent out to lead the church of Ephesus, which, which Tom, Pastor Tom talked about last week, which which um, at the time was, you know, this large capital of the Roman province of Asia. So it's a, a big metropolis, big city. And, and Timothy's this young leader sent to lead out this church there. So in his letters to Timothy, Paul, you know, has to discuss a wide range of topics um, regarding the health of that congregation in Ephesus as he, as he leads it. And he instructs Timothy in the way to grow others in faith, you know, deal with false teachings and things like that that Pastor Ron talked about our first week and, and how to conduct worship and, and prayer that Pastor Andy talked about. And, you know, even the selection and treatment of church leaders, which Pastor Tom talked about last week. You know, and if you've been following along in the series, and you read the series guide this week. Um, it covers chapters four through six, um, and and you'll know that Paul instructs Timothy on things like how to, you know, what's the appropriate way to administer aid to widows, and how do you treat the elders of the church, the older men, the older women, the younger men, the younger women. And we're not going to talk about those today, but all of this paints a picture of a young leader who um, seemed to be about as timid and about as retiring in his leadership as Paul was bold. So all of these words that, that Paul writes in his letter um, are words of guidance. They're words of encouragement, this sense of kind of like passing the torch or placing the mantle around Timothy and his ministry, um, passing on this leadership role to his younger associate. And I guess like any good mentor or a good leader, Paul is really invested and concerned for Timothy as he faces you know, all of these challenges that this young church might throw at him that's, that's growing there. So 
He addresses, you know, troubles with false teachers and, 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 and conflicts within the church and criticism from the outside and criticism, criticism from within the church. And, and Paul is deeply concerned about the variety of pressures that Timothy faces as he's, as he's leading. He's worried like these temptations, these pressures around you might, might damage him. So he's very invested in this letter. And so that's the context of which we're reading. It's, it's a letter from a, 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 the Apostle Paul, the mentor, the, the elder leader as he's instructing and guiding his younger mentee as he kind of transitions in leadership on to Timothy. So while these words are from this older leader encouraging his younger colleague, we can be sure that those lessons that he, he shares with Timothy here in this book are lessons and instructions and encouragement that actually apply to the, the church leaders of today, to not only the church leaders, but to all of us as believers today. And so 1 Timothy chapter 4 begins with this warning specifically to Timothy about these false um, spirits and teachings that are leading people away from Christ and leading people away from their faith. And Paul repeats warnings that he's given earlier in the letter. So verse, uh, chapter 4 verse 1 now, the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith and, and they will follow, um, excuse me, they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. And verse two, these people are hypocrites and liars and their conscience is dead, are dead. And, um, and it goes on, they will say it's wrong to be married and wrong to eat certain foods, but, but God created those foods to be eaten with thanks by faithful people who know the truth. Since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of it, but receive it with thanks. For we know it is made acceptable by the word of God and prayer. Now, what we do know is that it's clear from the writing of Paul that he is concerned about false teachings not only influencing, um, but also being spread by those in the church. And we talked about this briefly earlier on in the series. These particular false teachings were influenced by the asceticists and the Gnostics of the time who practiced such a severe form of self-discipline um, and avoidance of all forms of indulgences, in this case, specifically eating meat and getting married. They spread these restrictive messages along with other falsehoods. And Paul tasks Timothy with confronting these lies and these hypocrisies. And Paul Timothy, you know, how to keep from being deceived himself as he does this. Now, I know some people probably would love it if I spent more time on that, but we don't need to spend a lot of time on don't eat meat or don't get married because, because that's not what the lesson is about today. That's not the portion of the text. Rather, we use all of this to inform and illuminate the truth of the next few verses. Because after all, every generation in Christianity, it seems, there are some believers who try to be stricter than the word of God. There's believers who try to focus, um, their attempt is to take biblical truth and focus and layer on so many rules that, that, that somehow they narrow the grace of God so that only a select few will receive salvation. And usually it's them. We're not here to do that. We're here to talk about how to expand the grace of God so that it covers all of us, to expand and deepen our relationship with him so that we grow with him. 
Anyway, how much time do we spend on something you would consider lies or hypocrisy or complaints or falsehoods or things that we find wrong with religion? Or, you know, how much effort do we spend on spreading this conversation with others? Hopefully little to none. But in those days, that was a problem. And, and the truth is the tools available to Timothy that Paul describes are the same tools available to us today, which is the, one of the wonderful things about God is the constant and the way that he is constant in his love and constant in his instruction. And so we know that the same things that Timothy used are the same that we can use today. And those are spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices, biblical spirituality, if you will, if you're more comfortable with that terminology. These are practices that followers of Jesus Christ use to broaden our understanding of Jesus and deepen our faith in him. And so in the text in 1 Timothy, you know, 4, 5, Paul lists these specific spiritual practices as um, the word of God and prayer. But as we know, there are so many other ways that expand our understanding of Jesus and that help us grow our faith. In fact, the Bible speaks of these kind of regular patterns of spiritual disciplines such as prayer, right, and fasting, um, prayer, uh, reading and meditation on God's word from Matthew 4, 4 and Luke, Luke 10, 26 speak about that, but it's other places as well. The Bible talks about personal and corporate worship in Luke 4, 31, but also in other places as well. The Bible talks about fasting in Matthew 6, 16 to 18 and 17 to 21, but also in other places as well. The Bible talks about service to others and we can, we can read and understand that in the stories in the life of Christ and the disciples. And it talks about biblical community which is especially poignant in the book of Acts, but also throughout the Bible and other places as well. And this is definitely not an exhaustive list, but it lays a strong foundation on which we can build the framework of our faith. Now, some of these like prayer or, you know, Bible study might be elements that are familiar to you and I. There are things that we already incorporate at, at the very minimum prayer before, before meals, right? At the very minimum. But, but Bible study and prayer is something that kind of like is the go-to answer even for our kids in Sabbath school. Like, how do you love Jesus? Prayer and Bible study. Like, that's just kind of the basic. And so that might be familiar to you, but there might be others that aren't as familiar, you know, that aren't as familiar to each of us in our own faith journey. And others you may have heard um, just by coming here at Crosswalk. In fact, Pastor Ron mentioned them this morning in uh, the Connect Time, and also our pastors talk about this um, week after week as we share with you, because some of these disciplines are, are part of our Crosswalk culture and value statement, because we desire for each of you to grow in your relationship with Jesus. And so we've taken these three to focus on and help expand our understanding. So we want you to belong. Belonging, we want you to know that you're part of this biblical community, that you're welcome no matter what, that you belong no matter what, that you're here to learn and to be under the grace of God. We want you to know that you belong. We, we, we also focus on momentum. We want you to carry the momentum of loving well and translate all of this energy into serving well. We, we offer opportunities of service with our clinic, with our Love Well Dinner, with our volunteer teams, with um, the ministries that we have, and we encourage service here at Crosswalk and outside these walls as well, because if you, if you learn about God and you learn about his faith and you don't let it change you and you don't put it in action, then what are you even learning? So we challenge you and, and want you to experience that momentum. And, and the, the final thing is in, in the 
culture and values is we want you to experience the presence and love of Jesus through corporate worship. We, we want you to come together to, to worship. And that's one of the reasons why we invest so much in our leadership, so much in our music, so much, which, which they did an amazing job this morning, as they do every week. It's, it's why we invest in, you know, even our coffee experience, you know? Because if you come here and you experience community and, and you experience the love of God through a cup of coffee, that is amazing. And if you experience even more sitting next to a friend or getting to know someone in community or in our small groups, all the better. Because we want you to experience the love of Jesus and understand the depths of his compassion. And we want you to understand that spiritual discipline is not punishment. And, and spiritual discipline is also not acts that gain us any outstanding favor with Christ. But they're teaching and training our heart and our mind to love God and to love others well. So um, I guess I'm going to have to be one of those pastors that uh, uses stories about their own kids and family as illustrations. Um, I think it's okay because my son is 14 months old and he's too young to know that I'm talking about him. So. <laughs> but for several months now, you know, he's had the ability to shake his head no, which is fantastic. Um, be, but as you can imagine, that quickly spreads like to other things that he doesn't want to do. First, first, he just shook his head no to like a type of food he didn't want, but now he shakes his head no to all sorts of things like bedtime, no. You know, uh, time, to, time to go wash our hands, no. Like it's so many things that he shakes his head no to. It, it, it grows and expands. And just this week, he started actually saying the word no. Which, you know, on the one hand is reassuring, right? That means he's been listening to our instructions. Yeah, but on the other hand, um, now he just has more arsenal to disagree with us. So <laughs> we're trying right now to teach him to stay out of the dog's water bowl. You know, it's not a big thing. Obviously, it's not life or death. There's no danger in it except, you know, except that it makes a huge mess. Right? I mean, the floor is slippery and wet, the baby's slippery and wet, like everything is gross with like dog water everywhere, and we just kind of want to put a lid on that. And so we're trying to teach him you got to stay out of it, but my son loves the water, any water, anywhere. He loves the pool, he loves puddles, he loves, um, you know, the, the, the water in the faucet. So, so having the water bowl right in front of him in our kitchen is just like especially tempting to him. And every time he sees, you know, we see him go to that water bowl, we have to tell him, like, no. And we shake our head no, and we say the word no, Carson. This is dog water, not Carson water, you know. And, and we remove his hands from the water or, or his feet or his toys or whatever he's put in the water. And this week, I watched as my son sat down at the water bowl again. You know, before I could say anything, I was watching, and he sat down and shook his head no. And I was like, all right. He's learning, right? And then, for the very first time in his little life, he said the word no. He shook his head no and said the word no. And I thought, I have reached parenting, uh, pinnacle of parenting right here, because my kid knows, and he's learned. But then he took his little hands and he plunged them straight into the water bowl and water went everywhere. You know, we're teaching. We're teaching him. 
He's learning, clearly he can shake his head no and he can say no, but it's also a really slow process to internalize that and to learn. And he's, you know, we don't wanna inflict any shame or pain, but we wanna discipline because discipline is teaching. It's not punishment, it's teaching. And we pray that as we teach him that he listens and he grows. And this is what spiritual discipline does. It allows God to teach as we learn and grow by practicing those things that help us to build a relationship with him. They help us to understand his love more fully and it's a very, very slow process for all of us, just like it is for my son. And Paul knows that this is difficult and slow and so he knows it'll be difficult for Timothy as a leader as well and also difficult for Timothy as he tries to instill this understanding into the members of that early church. So we continue in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. Uh, if you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, Timothy, you'll be worthy, a worthy servant of Jesus Christ, one who's nourished by the message of faith and the good teaching you followed. Do not waste your time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Verse 10, this is why we work hard and continue to struggle, for our hope is in the living God, who is the savior of all people and particularly of all believers. Have you ever been nourished by a message? You know, where your heart is so full and so content and your mind is so at peace, you feel like you've been filled with goodness. Now, you know, that feeling might be familiar to you. We, we have uh, maybe even in your experience here at Crosswalk, but, but, but maybe that idea feels foreign to you still. So um, maybe to help understanding, let's flip it to the converse. Do you ever devour messages that are junk food? You know the ones, right? Like... There's so many junk food messages around us. You know, the ones that like might fill us up but then leave us feeling empty and hungry for more. They're messages that give us a high or a, a kind of a, a positive hit but then, but then that's brief and then we sink even lower. They don't, they don't fill us. And so I love the language that Paul uses here, that message of faith and that good teaching should nourish us, should grow us, should provide nutrients so that we can grow in our faith with him. You know, nourishing, like, uh, like the kind of meals your mom used to make when you were sick. Or, you know, the kind of family dinners that you had that were filling. Or maybe it's the favorite thing that you like to eat or do when you celebrate something special. It's poignant that, that Paul uses the language and the idea of nourishment here because what, ne what follows next in his text is such an arduous task ahead. And that in verse eight is physical training is good, but training for godliness is so much better, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. Verse 10, this is why we work hard and continue to struggle. For our hope is in the living God who's the savior of all people and particularly of all believers. And you can't work hard and struggle if you haven't been nourished and fed. You won't have the energy, you won't have the resources, you won't have the stamina. You know, I get really excited every four years when the Olympics come around. 
love the Olympics. This isn't an Olympic year, but I was really excited last year because we had like Olympics basically two years in a row and it was amazing. And what I love most about watching uh, the Olympics is I, I love the track and field events. And at first I used to wonder like, and maybe you have too, do you think about like what the athletes do in the off season? Like when it's not the Olympics and when the cameras aren't trained on them, like what are they doing with their time, right? Like just hanging out, like going out with friends, traveling the world. No, they are there training day after day after day. They're, they're consistent. They're, they're like living their whole lives in preparation for that one event. They're training for competing. And, and for the last 10 days um, that ended on Sunday, there's actually been the, the world championships of track and field. Um, in Eugene, Oregon. And um, one thing you might have learned about Pastor Andy and Pastor Isai is I guess they have this like bromance watching UFC together, right? Like you learn some tidbits about these guys. Uh, I don't have that same love. I have a lot of love for the two of them, but not for the UFC. So. Uh, one thing that I do love and, and that you get a tidbit about me this week is I love track and field events, um, specifically the running events. I love it, like I um, follow the athletes and uh, I follow like I follow them on Strava and like I listen to podcasts so I can hear their strategy and like I read about what kind of shoes they wear, like it's kind of nerd level here and that's, you know, that's okay. You guys have hobbies too, it doesn't have to be that, it's fine. But I was super excited to watch the track and field events unfold and world records fell a, a couple of weeks ago and, and in some cases, yes, even like Team USA completely obliterated like the world records and the others on the field and, and and like, like Sydney McLaughlin in the 4 by 400 with the women's relay, and it was just amazing. They were so fast, and I'll never be as fast as her or several other record-breaking athletes that you don't care about, <laughs> whose names you don't know. It's enough for you to know that, like, if you took the time that they finished and multiplied it by three, like, I might be coming across the line somewhere way past that, you know? Like, I'm a, I'm a runner, but, like, I'm not a fast runner. And like, I, I'm a runner, but definitely not the best. But I'm a good runner because I'm consistent and practice with consistency. In fact, sometimes like part of my training program includes like doing speed drills or like doing these weird mobility exercises for running that like look really foolish and silly and my neighbors look at me like, what is she doing out there? I won't do them because you'll think the same of me and we don't need that kind of relationship. So, but, but they are things that increase my speed and increase my stamina over time. So I do these drills day in and day out to get better. But you know, in, inevitably life happens, right? Like big events come up or, or I have to prepare a, a sermon or I have to, you know, or the baby was up all night and like I didn't sleep and, and inevitably I'll choose sleep over a strength workout or I'll choose rest over running or I'm simply too busy and engrossed in what I'm doing to pay any attention to this training. And the funny thing is, after a day or two of not training on the third or fourth day, it's really easy to just be like, nah. I skipped it yesterday, so I'm going to skip today too. And then after a week or so of that, it's really easy just to carry that momentum. Like, I didn't train this week, so I'm not going to train next week. And I'm not going to train. I didn't train last month. I'm not going to train this month. And then one day the weather gets cool, right? And I have some time, and I think to myself, hey, I can just pick up and go for a run. And I try to do that, but like now I'm slower and I'm clumsy and my legs and lungs feel heavy. I can't breathe and I'm like dragging myself along and it's miserable and it's terrible. 
And maybe running isn't your thing, and, and, and this just, you don't relate to this physical training at all, but maybe you understand that, you know, if you have another hobby and you, like, leave it on the shelf for a long time, when you take it back off the shelf and you try to pick back up where you left off, it's not the easiest thing. It's kind of difficult to pick up right where you left off. That skill and that precision and that love for the hobby that you once had, man, it takes time to build back up sometimes. And so Paul is using this illustration to relate to training of the spiritual life as well. In order to be nourished by that message, you know, of faith and of good teaching, we have to train ourselves to be godly. And, and he, he tells us how to do that. Uh, prayer and the word of God. And, and then in other places in the Bible, we talk about spending time in meditation, fasting, community, acts of service, and all these other things that we talked about. And we do this um, just like with our physical body. We receive all of these good benefits to our relationship with Christ in this life and, Paul says, in the life to come. So, yes, the work is hard, and at times it's a struggle. But... Training in the way of Jesus, working together at, at being disciples of him, that hard work is, is something that even though we might get discouraged and, and may want to quit, just like when we work out or when we do that hobby consistently, we start to see results. And when we start to see these results, you know, we, we can feel encouraged in our hobby or in our training or in our spiritual life and keep going because the life of faith takes training and it produces results. So Paul reminds Timothy and he reminds us that before we can instruct others, we have to spend time being nourished by the word, digesting that truth for ourselves. You know, being nourished as we continue to train by using these spiritual biblical practices of building our faith. And we have to do them day after day, repeatedly, a little at a time. And understand that there's going to be times when we might get distracted, times when we might reach for that junk food, so to speak, you know? There may be times when training even gets too focused and too strict. You know, we run the risk of, of sometimes narrowing too much. We struggle with that discipline. You know, or, or, or maybe like my son, we just shake our head, no, <laughs> but do it anyways. And Paul's letter to Timothy continues on. He, he has so much more to teach us and instruct us and encourage us. But for today, we'll close with these last verses in chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 11, these things, all these things that we talked about, these things teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. And that is, you know, pass them on, convey them to the next generation, teach these things. Don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Be an example to all believers in what you say and in the way you live and in your love, and your faith, and your purity. And I'll add to that, don't let anyone think less of you because you're not young, or because of your gender, or because of, of any other qualifiers you might carry with you or labels that you, you hold. Don't pay attention to what others think of, if they think less of you for any reason. Continue to be an example. Be an example to everyone in the things that you say, in the way that you live, in your love for others, in your faith and in your purity, no matter what others say, whatever reason they may have, continue to live as an example, continue to love others well. 
Paul goes on in verse 13. Until I get there, focus on the reading of the scriptures to the church. Encourage the believers and teach them. Don't neglect the spiritual gifts you've received through the prophecy spoken over you. When, when the elders of the church laid their hands on you, give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone will see your progress. And keep a close watch on how you live and your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. Teach all of these things by how you live and let your life reflect what you believe so others see what you mean by your actions. Live your whole life as that shining example that's grounded in Christ, that's nourished and enriched by him so that others will not be able to refute you if you tried. Live a life that loves well. Live a life that has rich and abundant grace for all, that says to all, you belong. Carry that momentum as you, as you serve others in Christ and experience his love here at church and as you go through your life in community. Look for ways to be nourished by his word. Look for ways to develop your walk with him as you are discipled in his love, as you are discipled as he guides and leads you in that. Look for ways to continue to be a shining example to those around you. And so I ask that as you, you know, you bow your heads with me that we pray this over you that our God who created and made us, who, who knows each one of us by name and called us by name, opens up our heart and opens up our mind, shows us what is good and pure and true and how to love, who disciples us and places others in our life to disciple us too. That we continue to be a shining example a city on a hill and a beacon of light to those who are searching and looking for a place to call home. That our God is the one who blesses and guides in all of these things. And for that, we, we love you and we praise you and we pray these things in your holy name. Amen.